Welcome back to another season of the Lions College Football Podcast. I am Brett Gibbons of Lions.com, and this year I am joined by Kelly Ford. Kelly, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. We're excited to have you here all year, and how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Brett. I'm excited to be a part of the team here at thelines.com doing the podcast with you and previewing all of the conferences as we continue to make our way through the group of five. We've had some good episodes already and looking forward to getting into this one as well because the college football season is here, as you said. Uh, it's right around the corner and we're excited for it. Yeah, it's here. And, and we've got already a couple hours of content out here on our uh, podcast feed, on our YouTube channel of group of five conferences. And we're just going alphabetically here. So we're going to maybe the best group of five conference in the Sun Belt. Do you believe that this is the best group of five conference uh, this season? So I'm personally very intrigued by the Sun Belt. I talked about this a little bit before we got into the first episode in the American, just general 30,000 foot overview of, of the G5 landscape. I still, by my numbers, the K Ford ratings have the American ahead just slightly the average preseason K Ford rating for teams in the American Conference is 35 on a 0 to 100 scale, uh, compared to a 28.8 for the Sun Belt. So I still have the American ahead, but that gap has closed quite a bit here in recent years. And part of that's due to conference realignment, the American having lost some teams to the Big 12, bringing in some teams, backfilling with Conference USA, formerly Conference USA teams. The Sun Belt just continues to plug along. Add teams here or there. James Madison, the most recent example from the FCS, a team that really makes sense within that the identity of that conference, the footprint of that conference. I'm ex- as excited about the Sun Belt as I am about any G5 conference moving forward, the prospects that they have to become the best conference in the G5. The need to improve the bottom of the conference, because the top is going to be competitive with anybody, and we're going to talk about those teams but the bottom is still pretty bad on a year-in, year-out basis. And if you want to be the best of the G5, you got to lift that bottom just a little bit. Um, but that top, man, it's exciting, and I know we're going to get into them. Yeah, it is. I compared it to like a well-run sports franchise, or I just called it well-run. It's almost like the San Antonio Spurs of college football. They just find good prospective teams, maybe not necessarily large TV markets or the biggest brands, but they found uh, you know, good teams and well-run organizations and programs and brought them in. And now look at them. They have a, a dense top, an absolutely dense top. Up front, I have no bets on the Sun Belt. I, I have no future bets at this point. Uh, it's, I'm not really sure what to make of it. I didn't see a ton of value. It's just really interesting. And I want to start on the, in, in the East Division. They still have the two divisions here. I uh, start with the East Division because it is downright loaded. Yeah, the, the East the East is wild, Brett. Uh, and this is all in the context of James Madison, who I actually have as maybe the best team in the East division. Uh, they're not eligible for the conference championship game, is my understanding, based on the NCAA waiver that got denied for what I believe was the postseason. But I think James Madison website is saying that the Sun Belt has a rule in place where if you are not eligible for the NCAA postseason, you're not eligible for conference postseason, meaning the championship game. So if you pull James Madison out, there's still a loaded field there. Uh, I mean, we got Coastal Carolina, Marshall, App State. All of those teams are at the top of the East. Each of those teams, by my numbers right now, assigned anywhere between a 31 and a 27% chance to make the conference championship game. So put those teams in a half, pull one out, and it's a 1-3 in three chance, 1-4 in four chance for any of them. It's going to be really exciting in the East Division. 
Yeah, I have two points separating Marshall and App State and Coastal Carolina in totality. I have 2.4 points separating that from James Madison. This is a a tough race. We're not going to dive too much into JMU today because I want to talk about the teams that are eligible to win this league. It's a dumb rule. I hate it. Let James Madison play. Uh, But let's start with Marshall. I was actually surprised to see them come out atop uh, my East numbers. They're only behind Troy in in totality in the Sun Belt here. Rasheen Ali, prolific running back. He's back. He did not play most of last year. He was dealing with some personal stuff. Uh, he did come back at the end of the year. But he is a 1,000-yard rusher, a 6-plus per carry guy. Uh, he's a very talented guy. I do think losing defensive coordinator Lance Guidry was a big, big hit to this team. He had a cup of coffee in Tulane and then moved on to Miami. Um, Marshall last year was plus 11 in turnover margin. And only four starters return on that side of the ball. So maybe if you kind of take the overall temperature, it seems that they are due for some regression. But what do you see uh, in Marshall this coming year? Yeah, by my numbers, Brad, this is the worst Marshall team since 2019, so a few years. But they're still projecting as the second best team in the division behind James Madison, like I said. But we talked about they're ineligible for the conference championship game. So it's a top 30 defense, best in the division, a sub-100 offense. And you talk about only returning a couple starters. They had a big plus on the turnover margin. You're going to expect that to regress a little bit. Sub-100 offense. The schedule isn't easy either. Either They host James Madison, which is going to be a tough game, but then they have to travel to Coastal Carolina and App State in consecutive weeks. I mean, that's a brutal – from week 8 to 10, you're hosting James Madison, you're at Coastal, and you're at App State. That right there, to me, is going to define Marshall's season and their chances of making it to the uh, Sun Belt Championship game. I have six games where I'm projecting uh, the spread to be within a field goal, and there's just a 42% chance to match or exceed last year's regular season win total of eight. So like you said, you might expect some regression. My numbers are projecting on average 7.2 wins, uh, seven and five being the most uh, likely single outcome for Marshall this year. But like I said, they're right there in the mix of that conference championship game, 27% chance to make it, which is right up there with Coastal and App State. Yeah, and, and just to expound on that that stretch that they have, they return home to play Georgia Southern, which is no pushover, and then they go on the road to play at South Alabama in that stretch. This is really forward-thinking, but again, I'm here for actionable information. Just keep an eye on that Georgia Southern game. I know it's at home at Marshall, but if we believe in the body blow theory and you know hit after hit after hit, and then they have this sandwich of at App State at South Alabama – they overlook these Georgia, this Georgia Southern team, and and boy, it could be an outright upset. I'll, I'll even add in, Brett. I agree with you 100. I'll even add in if we go to the front side of that stretch. So let's start in week six, and I'll run you through week six to week 12 at NC State. It's gonna be a really tough game at Georgia State the next week. That's not gonna be easy. My numbers like Marshall, but by about four points. Then you get into the stretch I talk about: James Madison at home, at Coastal, at App. So four road games in a five-game stretch. That trap game you talked about at home against Georgia Southern, then at South Alabama. I mean, from week 6 to 12, you're only at home twice, and you've got some brutal games in there. So it's a tough schedule. Third most difficult in the division by my numbers. Um, Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, can that offense, which like I said is sub-100, are they going to be able to withstand that? Uh, Are they going to be able to put up enough points week in, week out? Because the defense is good, but if they have to be on the field for a long period of time, week in, week out, on the road, travel... Could get away from them there. I, I hope not for Marshall's sake, uh, but it could be tough. 
and Georgia State has a rest advantage in that game. <laughs> just it's brutal. Just to add to the brutality of it. And, and your numbers have it as, you know, a very difficult schedule, but like overall nationally, I have it ninety-six. Then you may be like, oh well, that's not that bad a schedule. Situationally, this thing is a nightmare. So, like, yeah, look at the strength of schedule, but also dive in to see these kind of nightmare stretches. And boy, the, the more I talk about it now, the more I am kind of like, ooh, Marshall is in for. I'm looking up their uh, win total here. It's a seven and a half with actually shade to the under. So I don't think I would bet that. Uh, not according to my numbers, not according to your numbers. Situationally, it's interesting. But yeah, actionable information, maybe during that stretch, look at that Georgia Southern game, look at that Georgia State game potentially for, if not covers, potentially outright upsets of Marshall. I want to move on though to App State. Uh, everything on this team should be really good, <laughs> except for the most important thing, their quarterback. I'm not sure what to make for it. Uh, Brian uh, Ryan Berger, he's the projected starter. He's a redshirt freshman, decent three-star kid, good size. App State was his biggest offer uh, and his first offer. He's from uh, Myrtle Beach, I believe. So I, I think he took the App State offer because it was possibly his biggest and most exciting one, but I'm not here to you know put words in his mouth. Uh, this team probably runs through the running back, Nate Noel, 606 last year, uh, with maybe the best offensive line in the conference. That's up for debate, but it's certainly one of the best, if not the best. I actually only make seven wins, even with the 100th strength of schedule. For me, one game I would watch at is the, they play at Wyoming. App State has to go to Wyoming. Boone, if you've ever been Boone, North Carolina, and you've ever been to Laramie, Wyoming, there are not two further removed college towns from civilization, with the exception of maybe Lubbock, than those two. And it's just so interesting. What do you make of App State this year? Yeah, I, I've got seven and five is the most likely record for App State. Um, projected 8.6 regular season wins last year. The Mountaineers finished with six. So that minus 2.6 differential made App State one of my biggest underachievers of 2022. It's interesting for me here in 2023, App State, I mean, starting with, you know, slaying Michigan in 2007 and then coming into the FBS and, and having success in the Sun Belt really early on, 2023 is projecting as the worst App State team for me since 2014. I mean, that was the wow. first year the Mountaineers were in the FBS. So by App State standards, this might not be a very good team, but they're still going to be in the thick of this race because they have the best offense in the division. They're ranked around 50 nationally. They have a sub-100 defense, though, so that is pause for concern. But if they can score enough points, you said everything about this team should be great except that quarterback. If they can figure that out, if the offense can put up enough points, they'll be in that mix. They get Coastal Carolina and Marshall at home. That is huge because if they go 2-0 and in those games, I think their chances, of course, to make the conference championship game go way up, um, obviously. I make them small favorites in both of those. They're minus two against Coastal coming off of a bye, and then minus one against Marshall a few weeks later. Um, Coastal has the bye before that game as well, so there's no rest advantage, but uh, just an additional week to prepare. So it's an interesting team. Have them as the fourth best in the division, but basically right on par with the best odds to make the conference championship game because of how that schedule shakes out. Yeah, and, and to be fair, I'm not making excuses for them for last year. But I just want to read off the beginning of their schedule. They were in a 63-61 shootout with North Carolina. Awesome they game. Beat, awesome, awesome game. They beat Texas A&M in College Station. Awesome game. 
they they went uh they beat Troy 32-28 and then they, awesome that, game. Was, that was on the Hail Mary with with yep. college game day in Boone and then they lost to James Madison by 4 this team was exhausted they were emotionally exhausted they were beaten up and I'm not making an excuse for them but I would say that if they didn't have that ridiculous start to the season maybe they'd have won more than 6 games and then they were bowl ineligible because they beat two FCS teams. They didn't have enough FBS wins. So that's kind of the rundown on app state. Yeah. It's, it's tough. Uh, you know, it, my, my sense says like, Hey, they should be better, but the numbers in front of me, your numbers and your case are just like, yep, yeah, maybe not this year. So Kelly, I wanted to talk about an interesting team that's undergone a lot of changes past off season. That's coastal Carolina. Uh, you know, my question is how much of this team was Jamie Chadwell in that offensive system? It's, you know, it's, it's really guys well to not look like option football. You don't even realize you're watching option football, but it is. I really like that offensive system. Now that offensive system has gone to Liberty. They, uh, they hired Tim Beck, the NC State offensive coordinator. Not really sure I love it all that much, uh, but they do return a lot of those offensive starters. That's eight starters and 78% of returning production on that side of the ball. I think they still have the best skill core in the Sun Belt, possibly, probably, uh, you know, even removing Grayson McCall, who is the best quarterback in that conference and probably one of the best five or ten quarterbacks in the entire nation. I favor them in all of their home games, except I have kind of a toss-up with Marshall. Uh, and then four of six away games I also favor them in. They're only more than a one-score underdog at UCLA. But they were also 5-0 and in one-score games last year. Do they regress under Jamie Chadwell? What do you make of Coastal? Yeah, I think that last point's important. 5-0 and in the one-score game. So my numbers think Coastal will be a better team this year than last, even though their record might not show it for that reason. So finished last year number 93 in my power ratings, despite a nine-win regular season. So that they're not super highly power rated despite all those wins. They come into this year at number 76, but I'm projecting just 7.6 average wins with 8-4 and four being the most likely record. So to me, this is the third best team in the division by my numbers but the favorite to make the conference championship game from the East, given how the schedule shakes out. And I use favorite there kind of loosely because it's only a 31% chance, but that's better than Marshall and App State, who both have a 27% chance. So like you, I mean, I'm only projecting them as an underdog in two games, week one at UCLA by about 14 points, and week seven coming off a bye at App State by about two points. So for me, it's going to be a really interesting team to watch. Favorites out of, out of the division – but um, there's a two and three chance that they don't make that conference championship game. So we'll see how it goes. It should be an interesting schedule. Yeah, and that coming off a of bye at App State is really important because that's a very tough game. When you consider them as uh, you make them two-point underdogs, that's something to really consider because if they have a rest advantage, then maybe you can make a case for betting them. Well, App's going to be coming off a of bye too, so each team's okay. going to have that advantage. But when you... The way I think about it, too, and granted, this is kind of a toss-up game, two points, right? But the more time you have to prepare, I look at this in week one a lot, the more time you have to prepare for an opponent, the more advantageous that is for the underdog. And we see that sometimes in the CFP, you know, with the number one versus the number four seed sometimes. The more time you have, that generally favors the underdog. So while it's only one extra week, both teams have it, and the spread's so small, I do think the extra time there might favor Coastal a little bit, especially since they have to go on the road to prepare for this game. I want to hop over to the West because the East is loaded, but the West also has its fair share of really good football teams. Do you think the West division is a two-team race? And those two teams being South Alabama and Troy. 
I think South Alabama and Troy are definitely two favorites, but I throw Louisiana, Louisiana in there too with an outside chance as well. All right, well, let's start with Troy. Uh, they're my number one team in the Sun Belt overall, uh, east or west. I have them 2.1 points higher than Marshall, who comes in second. They, uh, I'm sorry, they lost their defensive coordinator, Shield Wood, to Tulane, but they do bring back 9 of 16 defensive starters that had over 300 snaps last year. So this is going to be another experienced unit, and they were very, very good last year. Uh, you know, it, it could be a bit of Shieldwood's system, but I think on defense it's a lot of what kind of dudes do you have, and Troy has the dudes. They played just one conference game on the road versus a uh, top 100-rated team per my numbers. Last year they were also 6-1 and one in one-score games. Now, there's two schools of thought there. One, they're going to regress to the mean just because that's how it goes in one-score games, a couple of bounces here and there. But the other side you can look at is, well, Troy's just really well coached, and they're a team that's built to win these one-score games. I think that does Maybe continue into this year. I don't know about six and one, but five and two, four and three, right? To have that winning record in the one score games. They do return their quarterback, Gunnar Watson. I think he's fine, uh, but this is a defensive oriented team, hands down. What do you think of Troy? I agree with you. Defense oriented for sure. I projected 6.5 regular season wins for Troy last year, and they popped off for 10. That plus 3.5 differential made them the sixth biggest overachievers in 2022. You mentioned the 6-1 and one record in one-score games. That doesn't get enough attention. I'm glad you keep bringing that up and referencing it because fan bases as a whole don't pay much attention to that and say, oh, we won 10 games last year. You did. If we played that season again over, maybe you don't. It doesn't matter. It played out that way. You get credit for those wins. But as we're projecting forward in the next year, we can expect some aggression as you talked about. That said, this year, I only have the Trojans underdogs in one game. That's week two at Kansas State by about 15 points. So we've seen Kansas State be vulnerable in these types of situations before, even if they go on to win the Big 12 championship. It's possible Troy is able to surprise them there. And if they do, they'll be favored in every other game along the way. So I have Troy as the best team in the division with the best defense, a, a unit that you talked about. I have him ranked top 35 nationally. Um, just a 17% chance to match the 10 regular season wins from a year ago, but a 42% chance to make the conference championship game, which is best in the West. So for me, this is the favorite out of the West division, um, but it'd be really tough to match last year's regular season win total. Yeah, but 17%. I mean, there are a lot of teams nationally that don't even have 17% chance to win 10 games. So that kind of explains the ceiling of this team. I think their biggest uh, rival competition in the West is South Alabama. Like I mentioned, I said maybe two win, uh, two-team division. You said maybe a three-team. But I want to talk about South Alabama. This team came out of nowhere last year. Uh, they came out actually at Canby Books at, at uh, Bet Rivers with an 8.5 win total. And I thought that was mispriced, and I bet way under it. Turns out it was mispriced, but it wasn't high enough. So those that were taking any sort of action, because this, this number was taken down and reposted around 6.5. So I think South Alabama, one of the biggest surprises of last year, they should have the best defense in the Sun Belt, I think. Maybe save for Troy. Uh, Marshall's got a pretty good one, too. But I'm pretty comfortable in saying I think South Alabama at least has the most talented defense. Phil Steele ranks them number one defensive line and linebacking cores uh, and then number three defensive backs. They're also one of those 26 teams that return head coach, both coordinators and starting quarterback. Carter Bradley actually was really quietly outstanding. He was no, He's number two among returning uh, Sunbelt quarterbacks in total QBR. However, they draw James Madison cross division. They play at Tulane in the non-con and Oklahoma State as well. So kind of a tough draw, but can South Alabama repeat as one of the favorites in the Sun Belt? 
Yeah, I mentioned Troy was my number six biggest overachiever in 2022 by getting to 10 regular season wins. Well, Alabama got to 10 as well, uh, as you said, and, and they were my number three biggest overachiever behind only TCU and Duke. So both these teams, a lot of similarities last year, maybe expecting some regression this year. From 2014 to 2021, South Alabama finished the year ranked anywhere from number 98 to number 124 in my power ratings. Last year, the Jags were number 69, and they come into this year at 68. So I think that a page has been turned here for this program, and they are a force that is to be reckoned with moving forward in the Sun Belt. You mentioned the non-conference games at Tulane and at Oklahoma State. They're going to be tough. And you also mentioned they catch James Madison on the road in a crossover and have to go to Troy as well. So the schedule does them absolutely no favors, but this is the best offense in the division by my numbers. And the number two defense, again, just behind Troy as we talked about there. But I really think this is a South Alabama team that has a chance. I've got them right now with a 28% chance to make the conference championship game, which is second best in that division behind just Troy, who we talked about. So um, it'll be very interesting. It's a bummer for South Alabama fans that their most difficult games are all on the road this year. Um, but if they can pull some upsets, they'll be right there in the end. But here's my question, because I've, I've heard a new line of thinking with this. Is it better to have the difficult games on the road versus at home? Because at home, you get that boost. So maybe you want to be favored at home, take care of that slate, and then play your toughest games on the road. What do you think about that? I don't know if I'm completely sold in that line of thinking, but it's interesting. But. I have not heard that, Brett, to be honest with you. Um, that line of thinking to me has some flaws in it. T to me, the most difficult thing to do in college football, I don't care if you're Georgia, Alabama, or Ohio State, or if you're Troy, South Alabama, and James Madison, the toughest thing to do in college football is to go on the road and win. College football, home environments, and yes, they vary from place to place. I'm not saying that playing in Death Valley at, L at LSU is the same thing as playing at Peden Stadium at Ohio University. But going on the road for your respective team into your respective opponent's building is the hardest thing to do. So if it's me, I want to play every game at home. Uh, obviously, that, that can't happen. It will never happen. But my most difficult games, I absolutely want those at home because those are the ones the fans are going to be most excited about, get most up for. If you want to say, you know, when you're playing at home, your defense has a harder time because they're dealing with the crowd noise, whereas... On the road, the defense can probably communicate a little bit easier because the home crowd is probably not making too much noise with the offense on the field. I get that, and I think I think coaches at high levels have said that. Kirby Smart, I think, said that when he was at Alabama. Oh, hey, I actually like going on the road because it's easier for my unit to communicate to one another when he was the D.C. for Alabama. So I get that, but if you're talking generally speaking, I'm, I'm not buying that argument. I want my biggest games. I want all my games. My biggest games at home with my fans behind me and making – my biggest, toughest rivals coming to my place to try to get that win because there's nothing harder in college football than going on the road and get, getting a win. I want to talk about surprising teams. And you may have given away one of them not long ago, but do you think there's any surprises from this league? Yeah, I'm, I mentioned Louisiana above when we asked about are there, any, are there any teams that might you know have a chance here. I don't think they're going to win the conference, but they have the best chance of any team that we didn't preview. Um, and it's worth noting that James Madison would be in this conversation, but they are ineligible um, for for the conference championship game because they're not eligible for NCAA postseason. So I think Louisiana could surprise some people. Yeah, so let, let's talk about them. Why do you why do you think that? So they were big underachievers last year. Um, I, 
I had them at winning, projected to win 2.5 more games than they actually did. So while we talked about some overachievers maybe regressing to the mean, maybe Louisiana progresses to the mean here, but they have the easiest schedule in the division and the number two offense in the division behind only South Alabama. So they have to go to Troy and South Alabama, and we just talked about how hard it is to go on the road and win college football. So it's probably too much to overcome to make the conference championship game, but I do have them with a 21% chance, which isn't that far off. I mean, they're within one projected conference win of Troy and South Alabama. So all it takes is, you know, one or two upsets to flip those percentages around. So I think Louisiana's worth talking about. They're worth having in the back of your mind. But again, they're my third favorite out of that division. One or two upsets here or there, and that could change. But Louisiana, to me, is a team worth monitoring. Sure. I have a team that I think is going to be fun to watch. Not necessarily a, a championship game contender. I don't believe they are going to contend. They may not even win a lot of games. Texas State. Is this massive turnover going to translate to wins again? Probably not. But they bring in a four-star quarterback, Malik Hornsbury. He joins G.J. Kinney, who comes up from Incarnate Word. For those of you that were not watching Incarnate Word football last year, this team scored 51.5 points per game. Sure, he's not going to score 51.5 points per game up in the Sun Belt, but Texas State has just been at the bottom of the barrel when it comes to offense lately, and so injecting some excitement into these games may be able to pull a couple upsets or at least be extremely watchable. I don't disagree with that. the upside, the potential, and they could be watchable, especially more so than in recent years, because as you mentioned, it's, it's been pretty bleak for Texas State, especially on the offensive side of the ball. That said, my numbers need to see it to believe it. Um, I have Texas State projecting as one of the worst offenses in the country, and again this year, second oh, no. worst, um, to, to, to be fair. It's a solid defense, though. I'm projecting mid-70s there, so I have no doubt that, you know, given what's coming in, they, they have the, the upside, but I just I need to see it before I believe it there with Texas State. Sure, and something that's kind of in the weeds and not necessarily related to what you'll see on the field or not necessarily related to the team construction, but Texas State spends a lot of money on football. I used to work for them. Their facilities are class. Like when you walk into a MAC facility versus Texas State's facilities, they're not even in the same con- – like they're not even in the same division. It's, it's night and day. They're spending $25, $30 million a year on their program, and it shows. They're, they're spending on their facilities – and they're able to, you know, have recruits look at this. San Marcos is a wonderful college town. It's one of my favorite college towns in the country. Not enough people know about it or talk about it. Situated by Austin. It's, it's a very attractive place to go to school. The school itself is large. So I think if they can just get the right culture in there, which I'll call them out when I was working in there, it was an awful culture. I hated it. The people there are all gone right after that season for good reason. If they can get the right culture in there, I think that they are a team that could potentially be very good in a Sunbelt contender in the future because they're willing to spend. They're an attractive part of the country. Great college town. So, I don't know. Just keep an eye on Texas State. I'm, I'm hoping G.J. Kinney sticks. I'd love to see these FCS guys come up and win, you know, in the FBS. Probably not going to win this year. I hope, I hope that they can prove you wrong with one of the worst offenses in the country. I would love to see them uh, upbeat here. But that's it. I'm not rooting but, against. I'm not rooting against anybody ever, Brett. Uh, so <laughs> don't don't take my skepticism as anything other than the numbers. Just need to see it. So I have nothing against Texas State. I didn't know you had worked there. That's that's very cool. Um, but yeah, nothing against the Bobcats. Uh, one of my favorite games actually when I was at Ohio University for school. Uh, opening game of must have been the 2016 season. Maybe it was Bobcats versus Bobcats. Texas State went to Ohio. It was like a it went to multiple overtimes. I don't remember how many overtimes yes. Texas State ended up getting the win in that game. Um, but that was my first introduction to Ohio University football in person. 
And it was a game that would never end, which, again, as someone who loves college football was fine with me, had some friends who were like, uh, what's going on here? But, yeah, <laughs> Texas State, hey, more power to them, best of luck. It's just, it's been bad for a while. It's going to take some time for the numbers to adjust. Yes, it will. And actually, they have a mural in their coaches' offices of that game at, at Peden Stadium. And there's, when I was there, at least, there was a lot of Ohio people there from the Cleveland area, Northeast Ohio, were working there. So they were always like, hey, look at that. Anyway, that's our Sunbelt preview. That's all group of fives. Next, we get up to the big leagues, the power fives, the ACC, the Big Ten coming up here soon. But thanks, everyone, for listening. Go hop on over to our Discord server. You can connect with over 4,000 sports betting fans, get live updates in the college football server, and join a sharp and active community. It's starting to get really active because we're into August here. It's, it's football season. Let's go. Don't forget to subscribe to Align's YouTube for daily sports betting strategy videos just like this one. Comment your thoughts on the Sun Belt. Are we all pulling for Texas State? Probably not. I'm probably alone in that. Kelly, before we get out of here, please plug your work. Where can we find it? Yeah, for sure. You can find me on Twitter or on X now, I guess, at KFordRatings. And you can find me on my website, KFordRatings.com. So excited to be a part of the team here at the Lions. Yeah, we're excited to have you. Thanks, everyone, as always, for watching. I'm Brett Gibbons. That is Kelly Ford, and we'll see you all next time.